Hey everybody, what's up? How are you doing today? Good to see you here. Good to see you here. Would you help me please welcome the uh, Sandy campus and also Vancouver campus and those online. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Now, before I forget, I want to just remind you uh, to be here next week because next Sunday, August the 27th, we're going to be introducing Jeremy and Michelle Jernigan and their family. So I want you to be here to welcome them and uh, for you to get to see them and to meet them in person. Jeremy actually starts on staff tomorrow, and, um, and then on the September 10th, he will be speaking uh, for the first time at Abundant Life Church as we launch a new series on that Sunday, September 10th. And so be sure to be here for that, okay, and be here next week as well. Now, today we are continuing this series that we started Seems like years and years ago that we started Masterpiece, and so we're in week seven, and some of you are thinking, when in the world is this series going to be over? My gosh, how much goes into making every day a masterpiece? Well, it takes a lot of work to make every day a masterpiece because, after all, if it was easy, then everybody would be doing it, right? And so it takes some effort. It takes some time. So one thing I've been having you do each week is to repeat this phrase after me that I know you've grown to love dearly and that you don't resent having to say this over and over again. And so, again, I'm going to have you to repeat this, and those of you again at our campuses, if you'll do the same thing. So here we go with great enthusiasm and gusto, okay? Um, today is a gift given to me by my creator. And what I do with it is my gift back to him. Therefore, I will make every day a masterpiece. And that's my desire for you, that you will make every day a masterpiece because sometimes people will go day after day or week after week, year after year, and wonder, why does nothing ever change? And the reason is because there's no intent, there's no purpose uh, that we bring to our days, and we just let life happen to us. And so what I want to encourage you to do in this series is to not live your life by default, but live it by design. Don't live it by default and just whatever happens, happens. No, you can be more intentional about living your life than that. And so live it by design. And by design, it means to think of what really matters to you. What are the things you value? And then how can you organize your life around those things so that a year from now, your marriage will look different. A year from now, your finances will look different. A year from now, your relationships will look different. A year from now, your health will be better. That doesn't happen by accident. Nobody drifts toward excellence. In other words, you know what? We drift toward mediocrity. And so I want to challenge you to give intention and purpose so that you don't live by default, but you live by design, okay? Now, what I gave you the first week were three words that, I, again, I want to remind you of those because I'm going to give you three more words in just a second. The first word that I gave to you was decision. And, and, and this is not in your life notes, so just, just write it down again just so you can remember it. But the first word is decision. So all of you at our campus and here, help me out. Say the word decision. Decision, because every day we are confronted with decisions. We get to make choices every single day. Somewhere upwards, they say, to around 30,000 a day. And so that's a lot. 
I think one of the greatest gifts that God's given to you and to me is the ability to choose. And so we make decisions. But once we make the decision, then we have to move into action. We have to take action because it does no good to make a decision and then do nothing about it, okay? It's no good to buy a gym membership and then never go to the gym, right? <laughs> right. And so you have to move it into action, move it into action. Then the third word was discipline, okay? Because even after you've made the decision and you've started to take action, it takes discipline to continue on. What's discipline? Discipline is the ability to give yourself a command and then obey it consistently, okay? That's what discipline is. So, so those three words are key in what we're talking about and making every day a masterpiece, okay? Decision, action, and discipline. Now, let me give you three more words, and this is free, okay? Uh, you, uh, it's not in your life notes. Whatever you give in the offering today, you didn't have to pay for this. This is free, okay? And so here's the first word. The first word is stop. Okay, everyone say stop, S-T-O-P, so stop. Okay, now here's why I want you to think about that. Because once you make a decision and you decide to move into action and exercise discipline, do you always make the right decision? No, there are times you make the wrong decision. And one of the reasons, even though you've determined these are my values and this is what's important to me, you will make the wrong decision. And so sometimes the best thing you can do is to simply stop. Just stop and take a breath, okay? Stop and take a breath before you say whatever it is you're going to say to your spouse, okay? Stop and take a breath before you spend that money on whatever it is you're going to spend your money on. Stop and, and take a moment to consider, should I really be looking at this, okay? So just take a moment and stop, okay? Just stop. The second word is challenge, okay? Everybody say challenge, challenge. Stop and challenge the decision you are about to make, okay? Challenge yourself in this decision. Why? Because as adults, we are really good at rationalizing what we do. We can rationalize anything, can't we? We can talk ourselves into anything and convince ourselves, this is why I should spend the money. This is why I should do that. This is why I should say that, okay? And rationalize, you've heard me say this before, is typically rational lies, okay? And so <laughs> stop and challenge the decision that you are about to make. And once you've done that, once you stop, once you challenge, now Make the choice. Choose. Choose. Everybody say choose. choose. Okay. It brings you right back to making the decision. Okay, now, because the reason I say stop, challenge, and choose is because now you're participating as opposed to just mindlessly walking through life and having no control over anything you do or say or spend or any of that stuff. Okay? Now, so stop, challenge, and choose. Today, as we continue in talking about making every day a masterpiece, I want to talk to you about the topic of generosity, okay? That's why the shirt, live generously, okay? Not because I'm a generous person. In fact, I don't think I'm a generous person. If, if most people in describing me would probably never use the word generous. Is there anybody here who would use the word generous in describing me? 
Thank you. God bless you. I see that hand. Are there more? Are there more? So, so most people probably would not. I know you have to think about it long and hard, okay? But I wouldn't use that word. So, so when I get older, I, I want to be more known as a generous person. So I've got to work on that. And, and chances are maybe you need to work on being more generous too. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, I hope you're taking good notes because you need this. Okay, we probably all could stand to be just a little bit more generous in how we, you know, live out life and, and how we go about our days. And so, why generosity? You might be thinking, what does generosity have to do with making every day a masterpiece? Which is a good question. The reason is because generosity will help me uh, live a life of significance. And the reason I say that is because generosity is all about others, right? It's all about others. I'm not talking about being generous to yourself. I'm talking about being generous to other people. And whenever you put other people into the picture, whenever you put other people before yourself, that's going to bring significance to your life because now it's not just about you, but it's about other people around you. And so let's talk a little bit about about generosity and about living a life uh, where we're giving ourselves away to other people. I, I love what Ruth Smeltzer said. She said that you have not lived a perfect day until you have done something for someone else that cannot repay you. And I thought that's a great statement. And it doesn't mean that every time you're generous, it has to be toward people who can't pay you in return. But, but just learning to be generous, and we're going to talk more specifically about what that means. The first question I want us to look at today is, why? What difference does it make if I'm generous? Why be generous? Here's the first answer. I'm just going to give you, I think, four or, or five answers to this, four, four reasons for being generous. And I think the first one is the most important. Generosity makes me more like my heavenly father. Whenever I'm generous, I'm demonstrating the characteristic that so, is so descriptive of your heavenly father. Take, for example, the first verse most of you ever memorized, okay? What is the first verse most of you memorized? John 3.16, right? You see it at football games and, and other sporting events, John 3.16. Let's read the first part of that verse together, okay? Here we go. All of our campuses, help me out. Here we go. For God so loved the world, he gave. Everybody say he gave. gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's who God is. God is a giver. Everything about God is giving. He gave you life. He gave you breath. He gave you everything you have is from God. Do you ever stop and think about this? That Jesus at one time was extremely wealthy, extremely wealthy. And I don't mean when he was walking around on this earth, okay? In fact, when Jesus was on this earth, he was extremely poor. And the reason I know that is because he borrowed everything, he did. He borrowed everything. He borrowed food from people. He borrowed clothes from people. One time, Jesus even gave an illustration that required a coin. And he says, well, you know, I don't have a coin. Can I, can I borrow a coin from somebody? He had to borrow a coin indicating he probably didn't have any. He, he borrowed um, a donkey to, to make his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The last week of his life, he had to borrow somebody. Somebody go find me a donkey because I don't have one. When he died taken off the cross. There was no tomb for him to be put in. And so uh, he, he was 
place in a borrowed tomb. One day, the disciples, at the end of the day, they said, hey, we're, we're all going to go home. And where did Jesus go? He went to the Mount of Olives. Why? Because he didn't have a home. <laughs> he borrowed. So if you know anybody who borrows a lot of stuff, hey, they're just being like Jesus, okay? That's, that's me. That's why I borrow stuff all the time because I'm just trying to be more like Jesus. But Jesus at one time was very wealthy when he was in heaven. Because the Bible says in the book of Colossians, and you can go check it out, it says that everything was created by him and it was created for him. And so everything, everything in the universe, including you, were created for him. He was extremely wealthy. But, but on the earth, he became extremely poor, impoverished. Why? That's, that's my question. Why did Jesus become poor? And the answer to the question is, so that you and I could be rich. It's through his poverty that we became rich. Stop and think about it. Everything that you and I possess that matters came from God, came from Jesus. I'm not talking about stuff that you can buy with money because the things that really matter in life are typically not the things that you can purchase with money. And so stop and think about how rich you are in Jesus. He's, uh, to start with, he's forgiven you of every sin you've ever committed. If you've asked him to, if you've accepted him as your Savior, he's forgiven you of every sin, past, present, and future. And for most of us, wow, if we just stop there, that's worth it, okay? Uh, he's, ex he's extravagant with his grace. He's lavish, the Bible says, his grace upon us. His mercy is what? It's new every single day. It, it starts over. We start with a clean slate with his mercy every single day. He's extremely generous with his mercy. He's given you and me a meaning and a purpose for living life. The fact that Jesus conquered death and walked out of the tomb tells us this life after death, which gives significant meaning to this life in which we live today. And so he's given meaning and purpose to your life. He's given you uh, a retirement plan that's out of this world, okay? The Bible says that those who love him, uh, that no eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind is conceived, but God is prepared for those who love him. And so he's been so extravagantly generous to us. And then if you read verses like 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3, let's read this together. By his divine power, the Lord has given us everything we need. Isn't that great to know? You may not have realized that, but because of his power, he's given to you and he's given to me everything I need. And so I think it's quite difficult to, to be able to accurately reflect God, our Heavenly Father, and Jesus, our Lord, if we're selfish and if we're stingy. I think we can best reflect him by being generous. And so that, I think that's probably the first and foremost reason. But here's another one. Generosity helps me to be less selfish, and it loosens the grip of materialism on my life. It helps me to be less selfish. I, I admit the fact, I, I think I can be pretty selfish at times. In fact, maybe some of you can be selfish at times. Uh, sometimes we can be overly materialistic. And whenever I learn to be generous, then it helps me to, to loosen that grip on material things, and it helps me to be more giving 
of the things that I do possess. About two weeks ago, I needed to have a lot of yard work done. I, I, it started with I've got these like 16-foot arborvitas that needed to be topped off, and which means you've got to get really high, and I have a fear of heights. And so there's this little guy, he walks up and down our street. He's, I don't think he's homeless, but I don't know where he lives, but, but he's all the time walking up and down the street, and he's always helping my neighbor lady two houses down. And I've asked him to help him before, a couple years ago, do some stuff. Anyway, we're having a yard sale the other day, and, and so I saw Art. I said, Art, hey, listen, I, I, got, a, I got a lot of yard work. I got to trim all these trees, and I got these arborvita and stuff that need trimming. You know, how much would you charge to help me do that? And so he gave me a price, and it was re- really a reasonable price. And I said, well, okay, good, let's, let's do it Friday. And as I'm sitting back looking, Friday two weeks from then, and as I'm sitting back looking, I think, this is going to take not a day. This is going to take probably a week to do all this. And I am way too cheap to pay anybody for a whole week of, of working in my yard. So I thought, at least I'm going to get a run at it and, and take care of some of the minor stuff that can be done and get it taken care of, and, which I did. I'd, I'd probably spent eight hours or so in my you know, time when I'm not doing ministry work and um, pastoring and, and, and got a lot of that stuff done. And so he comes over on that Friday, and he's like a little squirrel up and down this ladder. I'm just praying, God, please don't let this guy fall off my ladder. In fact, they're so high, and the ladder's a 14-foot ladder thing. It opens up this way, you know, and, and we couldn't get close enough. So I said, listen, these things are so big and so tall. Let's just close the ladder, lean it into the arborvita, and you climb up, and I'll hand you the thing, and you cut them off. And he says, hey, that's a great idea. And so he did, and it worked. And, uh, and uh, he said, hey, that's a whole lot safer and easier. So it works. So anyway, that all worked. Not a bad story. And um, you, you all thought, oh, great, he cut his arm off or he cut his head off or something like that. No, nothing bad happened. So anyway, because this is a generosity story. And so, um, <laughs> so I paid him, and, and I paid him about 15 to 20 bucks more than what he had charged. And so uh, my wife, she says, so uh, did you pay Art? And I said, yeah. And she said, how much? And I said, well, I paid him this and that. She says, that's more than what you said. Now, if you know anything about communication, body language and facial expression communicates more than words. And so I could see her facial expression. It was like, why did you do that? And so I could read that, okay? And so, I, so my answer is, well, wait a minute. You're the one always saying that I need to be more generous, and so I'm just trying to be more generous. And so then she kind of backpedals. I'm looking to see if she's in the audience. <laughs> and, and so I, I backpedal just a little bit, and, and she backpedal just a little bit. She says, well, I, I, I was just shocked that, that, that you would pay him more. Than that. I, said, well, I was too. I was shocked. I don't know what came over me. I don't, I don't know what happened to me. But I'm striving to be uh, a little bit more generous because, you know, God just wants us to. And, and it, it helps to loosen the grip of uh, materialism and, and from being so selfish. So I want to challenge you in that. The, the Bible talks about, in fact, when we're selfish and materialistic, it's just not wise. It's just, it doesn't serve us well. In fact, there's a great verse that comes to us from the Old Testament in Proverbs. And so, again, let all of us that have campuses, let's read this together. It's selfish and stupid to think only of yourself, okay? It's just dumb. It's just stupid. How many of you like the idea that you can say the word stupid in church? And uh, <laughs> so the Bible says it's selfish and it's stupid just to think of yourself. And so that's another reason. Now, what happens is when you and I 
begin to loosen the grip of materialism and, and quit being selfish, something uh, flips in our brain. Something switches. We, this, this switch that begins to flip in our brain and some things happen. For example, we begin to now refocus our resources to help other people. When, when you begin to loosen the grip of materialism and, and you quit being selfish, and now you get to refocus your resources to actually help other people as opposed to just using them for yourself. Which, by the way, the reason God blesses us primarily is to be a blessing to other people. That's, that's why. In fact, 1 Timothy 6.17 says this, to tell those who are rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money, which it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. How many of you discovered that money has wings and it just flies away? But tell them to go after God who piles on all the riches we could ever manage. I, I love the phraseology there. And read the rest of this with me. To do good, to be rich in helping others, and to be extravagantly generous. He says, don't, don't go chasing after stuff and don't be hoarding stuff, but to be extravagantly generous and helping other people and doing good and, and being rich and helping other people and all of those kinds of things. And so it begins to refocus my resources on others. But here's this, the second thing. It's, it helps me to refocus my rewards on eternity. It helps me to refocus my rewards on eternity. You see, now my resources are focused on others, but that's when this whole notion of, of rewards are focused on eternity. Now, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is this. I don't know if you realize this or not, but whenever you and I, in the name of Jesus, I believe, do good with, toward people, that you are, in essence, laying up treasure in heaven. And, and, and I think we'll experience rewards in heaven. I don't know, know exactly what all of that means, but I think we will experience different varying degrees of reward. But if you follow 1 Timothy 6, verse 19... The passage we just read, uh, 17 and 18, it goes on by saying, if they do that, okay, that meaning if, if they, you know, keep helping people by doing good and, and helping others and being extravagantly generous to those things, if they, if they do that, they'll build, what's that say? A treasury that will last, gaining life that is truly life. And what he's saying is, when you and I are generous toward others, then what you're doing is laying up treasure in heaven, and that's where real life exists, not here. And so your focus is changed from the temporal to the eternal. As long as you and I are selfish and we hoard and keep and we are materialistic, then it clouds your vision of God and it clouds your vision of eternity. And if eventually you begin thinking that this life is all there is to life as opposed to an eternity that exists out there of which we can store up treasure. I love what Roman poet Seneca said, no man can live happily who regards himself alone, who turns everything to his own advantage. You must live for others if you wish to live for yourself. That's why we're here is to live for others. Here's a third reason we should be generous. Generosity 
enriches others. Whenever we're generous, it enriches the lives of others. We never really learn to live life until we learn to be generous toward other people. I, I love the story, and I've told you this before, of the beggar. He was sitting on the street and asking for money, and this lady comes along with kind of a snooty attitude, and she digs into her purse, and she, she fumbles around, and she pulls out a dollar, and she hands the dollar kind of reluctantly to the beggar and says, I'm not giving this to you because you need it. I'm giving this to you because it makes me feel good. And the beggar looked back at her and says, well, while you're at it, why don't you make it a 20 and thoroughly enjoy yourself? <laughs> See, the, the reason we give isn't necessarily to feel good about ourselves. I think that happens, and I'll talk about that in just a second. But the reason we give is to enrich the lives of people around us. I, I, I'm not meaning to say today that it's wrong to have material possessions. I don't think it is wrong to have material possessions. I don't think it's wrong to have a nice house or nice cars, any of that stuff. I don't think it's wrong to make a lot of money. I, I, in fact, I pray for people to, to do well. I pray for God to bless their life. I pray for God's favor on their life. But what you and I have to understand is that the reason God blesses us is to enrich the lives of other people. I love what Mark Batterson said when he made this statement. When God blesses you financially, don't raise your standard of living. Instead, raise your standard of giving. And that is so good. Uh, again, nothing wrong with resources. I pray that God blesses you. I, I pray that he blesses you, you know, to money and stuff. It's coming out of your ears if you're generous toward others. Because I think, in a, in a manner of speaking, God does do that. He doesn't necessarily bless you with financial stuff, but he blesses you in other ways, too, when you, when you learn to give. But the reason he does is so that we can be a blessing to others. The Bible over and over talks about this. Proverbs 28, verse 27 is another verse that helps us to see this. He who gives to the poor will never want, but he who shuts his eyes will have many curses. And so as long as we have this attitude of giving and being generous people... The Bible says that we'll never want for anything. It's just counterintuitive uh, to the way the world teaches us today. Here's, here's the fourth reason. Generosity enriches the giver. And so, yes, when you do give, you yourself are enriched because we know that you cannot bless another person without you yourself being blessed in return. Um, back in the day, my wife and I used to love to go camping. We loved to go camping, and we used to have church campouts when our church was smaller. And on Labor Day weekend, the whole church would go camping and stuff, and, and, uh, and then we would camp with their kids. But we haven't camped in years. And I said to my wife the other day, it would be fun to go camping again sometime, you know, like once, okay? <laughs> and if we do, we will, we will borrow um, all the camping stuff, and we'll borrow a big um, RV, okay? We don't, because that's what Jesus would do. He would borrow somebody's RV to go camping. <laughs> so if you want to help us be like Jesus, then if you have a big RV, just you can help us out that way, and we'll both be blessed. And so anyway, when, when you go camping, you know how it works. If, you know, your wife has to get up in the middle of the night and to go to the restroom, and you don't want her to go by herself because who knows what can happen. 
And so, you know, you pull out your big mag flashlight, you know, the big long mag flashlight. And, and now let me ask you, this is an IQ question, okay? How many flashlights do you need? Just one. That's right. You're, who said that? You're pretty smart. You're pretty smart. A lot of people say we need two because you got two people. Really, you only need one. Why is that? Because, yeah, because, yeah, because it's impossible to light the path of your spouse without lighting your own path, right? So you only need one. The same thing is true with generosity. That's, that's the way generosity works. When, whenever you're generous to other people, it just comes back to you. It's, it's the way God designed it. And again, it's counterintuitive to, to what we're tempted to believe or are even taught. But the way to receive more is to give more. If you want more energy, you expend energy. If you want more grace, you give grace. If you want more forgiveness, you give, you give forgiveness. It's just the way it works. It's the law of sowing and reaping, okay? We've all heard of the law of sowing and reaping. And, and that law has several components to it, but, but you know this. But let me just remind you that, that um, you, you reap what you sow. And so what are you sowing? Are you sowing good habits or bad habits? Are you sowing obedience or disobedience? Because you're going to reap whatever it is you sow. Are you sowing negativity or are you sowing uh, encouragement? Okay, so what are you sowing? Because whatever you sow is what's going to come back to you. you. You reap what you sow. You also reap more than you sow. Did you know that? You, you, you reap more than what you sow. That's, uh, that's a part of the law. How many of you here have a garden? You know, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you have a garden. Okay. How many of you discovered that if you put like one tomato seed, do you plant seeds or plants with tomatoes? Plants. Okay. I don't know. And so, and so you plant one, one plant. How many tomatoes does it produce? A million, right? Like, it's like you got tomatoes coming out of your ears. You know, we walked out of the health club the other day. Same as must be true with zucchini because there's a whole bag of zucchini sitting on the uh, table free for the taking. Well, why would people just randomly give away zucchini? Because they have it coming out of their ears, right? Well, you plant one thing and it produces all this stuff. Well, again, that's the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, it's, that's what you're going to get back, but you get more in return. But here's another part of the law that sometimes people fail to remember is that you reap later than what you sow. And so I encourage you to be persistent, okay? You might be thinking, well, I've tried this law of sowing and reaping, and so far (laughs) nothing's come back to me, okay? Well, how long did you try it, okay? And, And if you haven't started, then get the ball rolling, Okay, so turn to your neighbor and say, just get the ball rolling, okay? Get it rolling because if you want blessings to come back, at some point you got to start sowing, right? That's the way, of law, that's the, way the, the law of sowing and reaping works. Uh, the, the Bible tells us in, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, you will always, always harvest what you plant. And so think about that. Now, these are reasons why you should be generous. There's many, many more reasons why we should. But very quickly as we close out today, how do you manage this? In every one of these messages I've talked about, how do you manage this discipline of whatever it is we're talking about? So how do you manage the discipline of generosity? How do you do that? Let me give you a couple of things to think about. Here's the first one. Be grateful for what I already have. You and I have to be grateful for what we already have. Hey, Greg, I'm a little bit, I, I'm a little bit, not yet. Hang on a second. 
Have a seat. Come sit beside me if you want. <laughs> but thanks. Man. Hey, no, you don't have to leave, man. You don't have to leave. But this is the third service. I can go forever in this service. No, I'll get you guys out of here in just a second. So what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Be grateful for what I already have. This is what I tell people often. If you're not happy with who you are, you'll never be happy with what you have. And I see it happen all the time in people's lives. They, they will run from job to job to job. They'll run from church to church to church. They'll run from spouse to spouse to spouse. And, and I, at some point I want to say, listen, if you're not happy with who you are, you'll never be happy with where you are or what you have. Because happiness is an inside job. And so is generosity. Generosity is an inside job. And, and so where does, where does generosity even come from? I think it comes from contentment. It comes from contentment. And so we have to learn to be content. I, I love Thessalonians when it says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you. Th this is what God wants us to do, that has this, this heart of generosity. Here's, here's the second way. Find a way to give every day. If you're going to manage the discipline of generosity, find a way to give every single day. Now, you might be thinking, but I don't have money to be giving to people every day. Let me suggest to you that when we talk about generosity, it isn't always about money. Some of you don't have money to give, to be real honest. But you've got other things you can give. You may have material possessions that you can give. But even beyond that, think about this. How generous are you with grace? How generous are you with forgiveness? How generous are you with words of affirmation? How generous are you with words of encouragement? How generous are you in listening? How generous are you in uh, helping with your hands? How generous are you with your time? You see, living a life of generosity... Yeah, it's about money, but it's not just about money. It's, it's, it's not just about material things. And so I encourage you, find a way to give every single day. Just say, I'm going to be a giver today. And you find a way. And you see if that doesn't start coming back to you. Here's number three. Keep up your guard against greed. Keep up your guard against greed. Because as God blesses you, the temptation is to become greedy and to almost get to a place where you think you deserve it. And the reality is we don't. I came across this phrase the other day that was so powerful by Henry Ward Beecher. He said this, watch lest prosperity destroy generosity. Be very careful lest your prosperity destroy generosity. I think that's important because I hear people sometimes say that when I start making more money or I get a better job, then I'll become a generous person. The reality is not likely, not likely, because generosity really has nothing to do with the size of your pocketbook. It has everything to do with the size of your heart. And, and I have ten, tended to notice, and even studies will prove this to be true, that the danger is the more you have, the more greedy you can become. 
and the less generous you will be. In fact, in America, we live in the wealthiest, one of the wealthiest societies in the world. And the average American will give only 2.5% of their income to charitable causes. Not just churches, but charitable causes today. In the wealthiest society in the world. And it was, it was more than that in the Great Depression. It was 2.9%. And so just because you have more doesn't mean you'll give more. Again, it comes back to the size of the heart. So don't, don't trick yourself into thinking, I'll, I'll be generous when I have enough. Here's number four. Regard money and possessions as a resource. Look at your money and look at your possessions as a resource. How, how would things change in your life if all of a sudden you began to look at your clothes, to look at your car, to look at your house, to look at your material possessions, to look at your money as a resource to bless other people. It would totally change your perspective on money and material possessions and generosity. In Hebrews chapter 13, it says, do not forget to do good and to help one another because these are the sacrifices that please God. Isn't that a great verse? Don't, don't forget to do good and, and to help other people. Why? Because when you make those kinds of sacrifices, that's pleasing to God. It's almost impossible to talk about the topic of, of generosity without maybe closing out with these words here. From, um, these are from Paul, but he's referencing Jesus in the book of Acts. And I want you to read this with me. Those of you at our campuses, why don't you read this with me as well? You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That kind of sums the whole thing up. Why live generously? Why, why be a generous person? Well, the bottom line, you'll be more blessed. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. The, the irony of it all is that the more generous you are, the more you're given. The problem is when we hold on to stuff like this, you've got no place to put anything else. But as soon as you open your hands and you give it away, now you've got hands to which, in which God can pour more blessing. Live generously. Recognize that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And when you and I do that, we will be well on our way to making every day a masterpiece. Make generosity a part of your life. I'm going to ask you if you'd bow your head and as we close out today. Obviously, the greatest act of generosity was when God gave his son, Jesus, to die on the cross to pay for our sin. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life, the greatest act of generosity. Jesus humbled himself before the cross, and he took on our sin and paid for our transgressions. What an act of generosity. And so the greatest thing you and I could do today would be to receive that gift that God has given to us. And so today, if you're here at this campus or maybe you're watching online or perhaps you're at one of our campuses and you've never responded to the grace of God, and the generosity of God in the giving of his son and your desire is to receive Jesus today. It's the greatest thing you could do. And in receiving Jesus, your life will be full. And some of you are here today and you've made that decision, but this would be a good opportunity to reaffirm that commitment. And so I'm going to ask if you would, uh, as we close out today, would you just pray this prayer with me aloud if this is your desire. Father in heaven, today I'm so thankful for Jesus. 
Jesus, thank you for the gift of your life on the cross and for paying for my sin. Today, I acknowledge that you are Savior and Lord, and I choose to follow you. I pray this in your name. Amen.